church, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. God in heaven, thank you for what you've been teaching us in the book of Hebrews, that we are truly called to be a people of faith, that our confidence is not in ourselves, our confidence is not in our own merit, what we could ever earn or deserve or demand. God, our confidence is the completed work of the living Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the truth of the resurrection. We thank you for the promise of life beyond the grave. And we ask, God, that you would deepen our understanding of who Jesus is today. God, that you would open our eyes to see evermore the beauty of Christ in the hearing of the word of God proclaimed. For the good of your church and the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 23, is where we'll be today. Uh, Pastor Ethan is not with us. He is struggling with one of the varieties of crud that's going around. And so, if you could pray for him, uh, I'd appreciate it. But he is tuning in over the, the YouTube live stream, and I know that's the case because he texted me and said, hey brother, your mic is on, while we were singing. So, uh, I apologize to our YouTube audience this morning. Please forgive me. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 23. Would you hear with me the word of God? The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because He continues forever, holds a priesthood permanently. Therefore, He is able, to, able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. For... It was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. We've seen in Hebrews chapter 7 that the author is comparing the priesthood in the Old Testament, that which came through the tribe of Levi. Remember Israel had 12 tribes and the tribe of Levi was the tribe from which the priests came who served and ministered in the the temple and in the tabernacle or I should say the tabernacle, and then the temple, and there were all these laws about when to bring sacrifices, and what we're learning is that Jesus is a priest from a different order who stands forever as our priest in the presence of God. Before God the Son, Jesus is God, right? He is the Son of God, but He's also God the Son. He exists forever and from all times. He is in the beginning with the Father. But before Jesus left heaven to take on our human flesh in the incarnation, God met humanity in the temple and in the sacrificial system performed by these Levitical priests. These daily and annual sacrifices by the Levites 
could not, however, bring forgiveness of sin. Instead, those sacrifices anticipated the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness that would come through Jesus, a better, greater high priest. Hebrews has been showing us that Jesus is the better priest who brings a better hope through a better covenant. Now, I feel like I need to explain that word covenant for just a moment because it's a, it's a Bible word that, that can go right past you. It, it, is, it simply means an arrangement by which people can draw near to and know the nearness of God. It's an arrangement by which we can draw near to God. In Jesus, God gives us better terms of a better arrangement by which we can be connected to the God that we rebelled against. Right? We, through our sin, have rebelled against God, and God makes a covenant or a way for us through Jesus to draw near to God. Did you know that the greatest need of every human being on the planet is to know the nearness of God? That's why we're here. We've been brought near to God. The, the world out there that does not, has not heard the gospel, does not know the gospel, does not know who Jesus is, does not know how to meet the greatest need of the human heart, and, and that's to be embraced by the God who made them. You see, in the Garden of Eden, before they fell, Adam and Eve knew the nearness of God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. But sin leads them out of the garden. They, they sin, and God sends them out into the wilderness of separation from God that ends in spiritual death. You see, we've broken ourselves with our sin. We've disqualified ourselves from knowing the nearness of God, and that's a big problem because we don't know how to live or why we exist apart from knowing the nearness of God. But the promise of the Gospel is that Jesus is the one who can make a way for broken and rebellious sinners who deserve to die to instead not have to die and to know the nearness of God, their Maker. That's an incredible promise. You see, a priest is a, a mediator. You know what a mediator is, right? Whenever there's a dispute, if you can't work it out yourselves, you need a mediator to bring two parties together. A priest is a particular type of mediator. He's a mediator between God and people, in particular sinful people, which is all people. Mediators negotiate disputes between two parties, and in this case, the two parties are God and sinners, and we need a priest to mediate for us because God has a dispute with us related to our sin. Did you know God has an argument with sinners? We've not been holy. We've not met His standard. We're sinners and God is not. Our sin demands death and God is life. We should have worshipped God alone, but instead we've worshipped wealth and fame and career and education and physical pleasure and power and comfort and family. We've worshipped all sorts of things that are less than God. And what's the first of the Ten Commandments? We've got to worship God alone. We are hopeless to know the nearness of God and the love of God unless God Himself would provide a miraculous way to overcome the death our sin deserves and restore us to life with Him. Somehow for God to end the dispute that He has with us because of our sin and the failure of the Levite priests to secure ongoing nearness to God for God's people proves that we needed a priest 
like Jesus, a priest who could negotiate an unbelievable deal. You see, in human negotiations, when you got a contract dispute, usually both parties compromise in some way. Not so in this negotiation, because God can't compromise His holiness and His justice. If God stops being holy and He stops being just and just says, well, your sin isn't that big of a deal, then God is no longer God, because God, by definition, is holy. So we needed an amazing priest who could negotiate an amazing deal and let God still be God, even though we have already sinned. And that's what Jesus did. You see, Jesus is the priest we needed. He's the one who could come and offer Himself to die in our place and overcome the death we deserve. And He could deliver us into God's presence without compromising, therefore, God's holiness and His justice. We needed a most unusual priest And Jesus is that priest. To know the nearness of God, there's no other way than to draw near to Him through faith in Jesus, God's forever priest. We learn two things about Jesus in this passage this morning. To enjoy forever fellowship with God, we've got to draw near to God through Jesus. And the reason Jesus is the only option are these two reasons that were presented today. One, Jesus is the only permanent priest. And two, Jesus is the only perfect priest. We need both. We need permanence and we need perfection. To be with God forever, we need someone to cancel the death that we owed. Jesus did that by dying and being raised again. But to be with God, we must also be perfect in God's sight Jesus came and was the perfect life that we did not live, and He lived it for us in our place. First, Jesus is the only permanent priest. In verses 23 and 24, the author compares Jesus and all these other Levite priests using the terms on the one hand and on the other hand. We, we use that in English, right? On the one hand this, on the other hand that. He's drawing a comparison between the Levites And between Jesus, on the one hand, the Levites are former, but they've ended, but Jesus is forever. On the one hand, there were many Levites down through the generations because they kept on dying, but there is one Jesus because He will never die again. On the one hand, the Levites died and remained dead. On the other hand, Jesus has conquered death through His resurrection, and therefore, verse 24 tells us, He holds the priesthood permanently. There's no other one who's going to come to trump Jesus as the way we belong to God. It's Jesus or bust. Does that make sense? Everybody clear? You come to God through Jesus to know the love of God, you must come through His priest, the living Lord Jesus Christ. I love the simplicity of the truth that has been communicated at the beginning of verse 24. I'm going to be really transparent with you. The last couple weeks have been tough because... Hebrews 7 is some choppy intellectual waters, and I've done my best to make it plain, but I was grateful to get to verses 23 through 28, because it's pretty simple. The reason you can get to God through Jesus is because He conquered death, and He lives forever, and you weren't perfect, but He is, and He's your representative for all time. You can be saved and rescued and know the love of God through Jesus, your high priest. Praise God. But the background is this Old Testament priesthood that 
didn't make anything perfect. It just let me know that I'm longing for something else. And so he sets up this comparison. The Old Testament priesthood failed and it ended in death. And then verse 24, do you see those two words at the beginning of verse 24? But Jesus. That's the gospel. I failed, but Jesus didn't. I was supposed to die forever separated from the love of God, but Jesus. I was supposed to be forever separated from enjoying the community of God's people, but Jesus. I had no way to feel clean on the inside because of all the dirty deeds I had done, but Jesus. I had no way to actually be clean on the inside, but Jesus. I had no way to understand or make sense of this broken world where things don't work right and relationships fail and I, it just doesn't make sense, this world that I live in and I couldn't comprehend it, but Jesus. The old priesthood was former, but Jesus is forever. The old priesthood was temporary, but Jesus has a priesthood that is permanent. The Levitical priesthood could not give us forever fellowship with the Heavenly Father, but Jesus, look at verse 25, is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him. If you write in your Bible, that's a verse to underline. He is capable, fully qualified, to deliver forever those who draw near to God through Him. When verse 25 says Jesus is able to save, it means He has the power to save. Not that He might do it or He might not do it, but all who desire to draw near to God and recognize they can only do it through the blood of Jesus, He will save you. He'll do it every time. To draw near to God, we come through the door of total dependence upon Christ. I love the words draw near. I don't know what images come to your mind when you think about drawing near, but I think about an embrace. I think about a, a hug. And I tell you what, I, I don't know how to illustrate this other than to, to talk about my own family, in particular my, my wife and my, my kids. There are seasons of life that are hard. There, there are seasons of life that are disturbing and distressing and difficult. But I, at the end of those days and sometimes those weeks and those months, when know that when I can walk through the front door of my home, that I am accepted and embraced by my son and my daughter and my wife in a way that is beyond compare. It's a safe place. It's a place of rest. It's a place of being known fully or as fully as, as possible with another human being, and being accepted. You can have that with the God of the universe through Jesus. God will allow you to know His love in a way that heals and that conquers all the noise that's out there, that overcomes everything that your co-worker or your boss or your child or your circumstance or your local school wants to tell you about who you are, there is a God who wants you to feel a divine embrace that is possible through the blood of His Son. You were made for fellowship with God. Not just to know about God, but to know God. 
and to be known by Him. And the fellowship and the connection and the intimacy that your heart longs for with God your Maker can be yours through Jesus. You can't produce peace with God. Your family can't give you nearness to God. All the accolades and accomplishments in the world can't satisfy your need for God. Even the Levitical priesthood couldn't satisfy what we needed from God. But Jesus can forgive your sin and save forever all who draw near to God through Him. That's a promise, church. Jesus is not just able to save, He does save. And He saves forever because He lives forever. It's called everlasting life because it lasts for everlasting. It doesn't end. And it doesn't end because Jesus will never die again. But the word salvation, excuse me, the word forever doesn't just talk about timeline. The word here is better translated complete or total. The salvation that Jesus gives is more than just a forever salvation. It's also a total salvation, a complete rescue. Did you know that no part of who you are stays outside of the scope of who God is when He rescues you? He wants to impact your mind. He wants to impact your will. He wants to impact your emotions. He wants to impact your career. He wants to impact where you go to school and why you go to school and for how long you go to school. Everything you do, every decision you make is submitted to and surrendered to the Lordship of Christ who bought you through the blood of Jesus. His salvation is total. It includes everything. The debt of your sin is paid so that the fear of death is removed. The heart that used to rebel against God is made new in the Holy Spirit into a heart that longs for God. The brokenness of this world that used to define my reality no longer has a hold on me because I know a world that is coming when a king returns that is going to be perfect and righteous in every way. And so I don't get defeated by my circumstances because I have a king who is over my circumstances. We keep on drawing near to God. Notice that word draw near. It's not a one-time draw near. We do that a lot in church life, don't we? If you sign a card, get baptized, pray a prayer, and then don't think about the God who saved you the rest of your life, that is not what God made you for. He didn't make you to check a box or punch a card or pray a prayer. He made you to have communion with God every day. Those who keep on drawing near to God are those that God rescues and saves forever, comprehensively, totally. And He can do this not only because He lives forever, but also because of what He does in His communion with God on our behalf. He always lives, verse 25, to make intercession for us. To intercede means to make an appeal on someone's behalf, to plead on someone's behalf. Paul says in Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus is He who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of the Father. He also intercedes for us. He prays for you. He, he knows when you sin and pleads His blood on your behalf. He knows the temptation that you are going to face, and He begs of the Father that you would be strengthened in the inner man to look away from the temptation and to seize the opportunity to flee from it. 
to end God's dispute with us, we needed a priest to conquer death forever. One who would reign with God forever and intercede on our behalf. But we also needed a priest who offered a sacrifice that could be the basis of his intercession. We needed a priest who didn't just conquer death and be raised to life, but a priest who was perfect in our place. We needed a perfect substitute because God requires perfection. Verse 26 through 28, Jesus is the only perfect priest. He's the priest that we need. You see verse 26, how it begins? It begins with these words, it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. The word fitting means needful or proper. The idea is not that we deserved Jesus, but we needed Jesus. We were, we were stuck. We didn't have any hope. There was only one thing that could meet our need, and Jesus came to meet that need. Glory. Hallelujah. He is the one who is perfect in our place. While our sin is awful and terrible and wicked and vile and eternally and severely separates us from knowing the love of God, Jesus came to live a perfect life in our place so we could be restored to fellowship with the God we sinned against. As our forever high priest, Jesus brings to the table the perfection that God requires and which we do not have. The sacrifices of the Levites were a daily reminder that their lives were dominated by sin and deserving of death. They just kept on sacrificing and kept on sacrificing. And before they could sacrifice on behalf of the people, they had to sacrifice on behalf of themselves, but not Jesus. Jesus had to make no sacrifice for Himself. He did not have to wash Himself in order to be our sacrifice. He was pure, innocent. Do you see the words here in verse 26? He's holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. In other words, He's perfect. Holy here is not the typical word for holiness. It's a word that refers to the holiness of Jesus in His humanity. In other words, His desires and His intentions and His actions were always Godward and godly. 100% of the time. But He's also innocent. It's not just that what He wanted to do or what He desired to do was godly. It's that what He actually did was godly. He always kept the law. He always followed God the Father. And finally, He was undefiled. He was unspoiled, not stained or polluted by the world. Jesus came to rescue the world, but never gave Himself over to the sin of the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Well, Jesus is the model of what that looks like. Can you imagine the people who spit on Him and flogged Him and all the things that they said about him, all the rejection that he faced for three years in his public ministry, and he's got to be thinking at some point, I came to save you, and you're rejecting me. And yet, he never let that bog him down or defeat him. He kept his eyes fixed on the Father who he knew would rescue him from death and the resurrection, which is why we can read that Jesus is exalted above 
the heavens. He came to rescue the world. He was unstained by the world. Although he was with sinners, he never participated in their sin. And he has been crowned once for all King of kings, Lord of lords, to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's Jesus. And he was able to offer himself because he ran the race with perfection as the once for all sacrifice for sin. Verse 27, do you see that word, once for all? Or the, that phrase? That, that phrase means once for all time. Jesus atoned for sin once for all time. How? He didn't offer the blood of a bull or a goat or a calf. He didn't offer somebody else on your behalf. He offered Himself, the only perfect spotless human being. He offered Himself to God so that we now can draw near to God through faith in Him. The Levites offered sacrifices every day. But they could never take away their own sins. Jesus never sinned. And so He offered Himself as one sacrifice that can take away your sin forever. We know this is true because God's Word says so and also because... As is pointed out in verse 28, God made an oath with His own Son. And the oath did not come before the giving of the law and the Levitical priesthood. It came after. And because it came after, we know that the Levitical priesthood was supposed to be temporary. That it was pointing to something greater, to someone better. And the one better who came is the Son that God the Father made an oath with who said, you will be forever king, you will be forever priest, and you are my son. And I am begetting you into the world for the purpose of running the race in the place of those who call on the name of the Lord and are saved. The law could not make, any, could not make anything perfect. Hebrews 7 verse 11 tells us. But Jesus came, and do you see what it says in verse 28? He has been made Perfect. Now you might say, but I thought Jesus always was perfect. He was always perfect, but His perfection was proven in the agony of human existence. He didn't just take a pass and say, well, I'm Jesus. I don't have to face temptation. I don't have to face hardship. He faced the cross. Jesus, in the agony of human experience, trusted and obeyed His Father all the way to the, to the cross, demonstrating that He alone is qualified to be our perfect sacrifice for sins. He is our forever high priest. He is our perfect high priest. And it is on the basis of His sacrifice that we can draw near into the presence of God. This morning, you can know the love of God because of what Jesus did for you. Yes, I deserve death, but Jesus died for me. Yes, I am desperately wicked. But Jesus has been perfect in my place in every circumstance. When I have failed, Jesus' death stands in my defense. When I am tempted, His obedient strength under pressure is available to me. When I am discouraged, His ability to look through the cross to the resurrection is my example and it is mine as well through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When I am tempted to abandon faithfulness to God for the fleeting pleasures of this world, Jesus gives me resolve and reminds me that there's no treasure in this world 
like the love of God that I know through His perfect sacrifice. God, this morning, maybe you need to say something like this, I come before you, I draw near to you, not through anything that I have done or could do or deserve. I draw near to you, God, right now in whatever I'm facing. I come to you through the perfect sacrifice of your own son because he stands in my place. He stands in my defense. His life is forever and nothing can take away the perfect race that he's already run in my place. God, I draw near to you in that with confidence and I want to know your love today. That, my friends, is the gospel. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever you are facing, there is one person in all the universe who could run the race in your place and be accepted by God for you, and He did it. And His name is Jesus. And I've got to think in a room this size with this many people, there's at least one who needs to say today, I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to hold my family together. I'm tired of trying to hold my life together. I'm tired of trying to pretend I've got it all put together. And I just need to know the love of God. So I repent of my sin and I repent of my self-trust. And God, I entrust myself to you, Jesus, my Savior. You shed your blood for me. You'll raise me up forever to dwell with the Father in heaven. I can't wait for that. Help me to live for you if that's what you need to do today. As our instrumentalists come, don't put it off another week. Don't put it off another day. The love of God that you so desperately need is available right now through surrender to Jesus Christ, the Son. He is the priest that we need. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for the word that you have given to us in Hebrews. God, I I sense in my spirit that you're moving. God, I see on the faces of some gathered here today that they've never known a love like the love you have for us in Christ. God, I pray some today would know the love of God for the very first time. God, for others who want to be a part of a church that believes Jesus is the only way and preaches Jesus is the only way and wants to love Jesus wholeheartedly, God, let today be the day that some, some join forces with North Roanoke to, to declare your fame in all, the, in all the earth. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, you are beautiful. Jesus, you were broken for me that I might be saved completely, totally, forever. God, let someone else know the joy of that promise today as we stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen.